0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at nine eleven AM at the main campus. And eleven AM at the Mux Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God blesses you through doing so. Amen. Don't you love the Lord today? Let's just stand together and let's, let's close our eyes and hearts and, and pray right now. That, that Just tell the Lord how much you love him right now. Mighty God, we love you. We exalt you. We praise your holy name. We just want to say again today how much you mean to us, how much we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your sweet presence here today. We lift up our voices and give you praise and worship and adoration for Your alone or worthy. In your name, hallelujah. Take your Bibles out. Remain standing. Turn to Isaiah chapter 64. Thank you, Jeannie and her daughters, and son-in-law, for that special ministry and music today. Also good to have her son with us as well. Timmy's here. And great having all of them in for the holidays. Isaiah 64 and verse number one. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down that your mountains might shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. The mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear nor has the eyes seen any God besides you who acts for you, who waits for him. As you read this passage, you've got to ask yourself, where did this cry come from? What, Isaiah is, is pouring out his heart. He's saying, God, oh, that you would come down. God, there is no one else like you. Burn across this land. Where does this cry come from? It comes from a man who sees a supernatural need. Let's pray that God will minister through the word today. Father, we need you today in this service. I pray that you will come down today. I pray that you will visit us. I pray that as we start this year, mighty God, there would be a heart to seek you like never before. I pray, God, that you would rend the heavens and minister your life in grace and strength, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You may be seated. Isaiah is saying, Lord, we can't go on like this. It can't be business as usual. We can't go through our dead religious motions again. We need a touch from you like we've never had before. God, we need to hear from heaven. We need you to come down and visit us. Isaiah gives this prophecy at a time when Israel had all their religious feasts going on. They were were going through all their motions. They they had their religious gatherings. They had their festivals. They had their feast days. They had their celebrations. They had their choirs. They had their orchestras. They had people coming to fill in the synagogues. The people knew the law. They were well-versed in Scripture. They kept all the ordinances of the church. And yet still... In Isaiah's day, there was nothing of the presence of the Lord. They were doing all the right things. They were saying all the right things, but God's presence was not known. Look down in verse 7 of the same chapter. And there was no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us. Now, that's a sad state when the church comes together, and yet God is not there in the house. You have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Drop down to verse number 10. Your holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem is a desolation. They were going through the motions of religion. They were coming into the synagogues, but God was not there. He was not in their midst. The Lord, the fire had gone out. And he says, Lord, rend the heavens. Lord, come down and come visit us again. God, we need your touch. Now, if we're not careful, that can be a picture of the church today, all across our land and all across our nation. We are blessed today with more evangelists, with more tools for evangelism than we've ever had before. There is more media outlets possible to get the word of God out. We have television and websites and radio. There are more books for Christianity being written than ever before. We are more educated than ever before. But our cry must be, God, we want your presence. We want your touch more than anything else. Centuries later, there were 120 believers and they were gathered in an upper room And they were waiting on God. And their cry was much the same as Isaiah's day, God, come down. God, rend the heavens. God, we want a divine visitation from you. It was a time in Jerusalem's history when they had their great religious observances, The multitudes flocked into the temple from all over Israel. It was the Feast of Pentecost, and so they came from every tribe and every nation, and they were gathering together just like they had done every single year previous to that. And yet their assemblies were lifeless. Once again, Israel was simply going through the motions, observing all their feasts and all their rituals and all their ceremonies. And you've got to ask yourself the question in this day and age, in this time of Pentecost around this feast, how could this be? Because already John the Baptist, they had set under the fiery preaching of John the Baptist and many repented and many were coming to God. And yet they were lifeless and dead and empty. Because the Bible says that when Jesus Christ got ready to enter into the city of Jerusalem, he wept over that city and he cried over that city. He said, oh, Israel, how they have longed to gather you underneath my wings, uh, but you would not repent, you would not turn to me. And so you see a very cold nation of Israel who had shut God out. And Jesus Christ is on the earth. He does signs and wonders and they still reject him. Does miracles. He cast out demons by the power of God. He frees suffering people from demonic bondage. and Yet in the end, the Bible says they rejected him. They turned away from God's offer of grace. And yet the incredible thing is God was never giving up on his people. And he was gonna give them another chance. And Jesus prophesied, he says, go and tarry and wait in Jerusalem. And I want you to stay there and I want you to pray And I want you to seek my face, and I'm going to rain down you uh, the Holy Spirit and go and wait and tarry. And he says, when you do that, you will be endued with power from on high. And that 120 gathered, and they began to pray, and they began to seek the Lord, and they waited in that upper room. And they were not waiting for a date on the calendar. They were waiting for a meeting from God. And they didn't care how long it took or what was going to happen, And we read in Acts 2 and verse 1, and they were all in one accord in one place. They had come together as one body for one purpose, and that was the hope of seeing Jesus Christ's promise fulfilled in their lives. They were waiting for that promise, waiting for that prophecy. And their cry was the same as Isaiah's cry centuries before, Lord, oh, that you would rend the heavens, oh, that you would come down. And they waited then it happened. The Bible says and when that day had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place and there was the sound like a rushing mighty wind uh, and it blew through that house uh, and there was a signal that God is in the house uh, because the spirit of God began to move uh, and the Bible said there were tongues of fire that set upon their heads and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and they began to speak in languages they had never learned or heard before as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And from there, they went out into the temple area, and they went out into the streets, uh, and the crowds began to gather around them, uh, and there were thousands of lifeless religious people, but they saw God was in the house. God was in their midst, and word began to spread rapidly, and they saw and they heard what was going on. Peter stood up to preach. There was such an awesome Presence of the Holy Spirit that he began to preach. And when he got down to the end of his message, he says, repent. This same Jesus whom you crucified, he is the Lord of glory. And on that one day, 3,000 people cried out to be saved because they were moved by the power of God. Listen, when the Lord strikes a match, that 120 was like that kindling wood. It's that real wood that's ready to explode and sets everything else around it on fire. It's like that kindling. We were sitting around a bonfire last night and they took a a Christmas tree and they threw it in the fire and that fire shot up into the sky. It was dry. It was dead. And that fire went higher than any of the fire all night long uh, as it shot up into the air. It was that dried kindling. And that's kind of like what the 120 were. They were that dried kindling wood uh, that the Spirit of God came down upon uh, and it spread for them. And that same Day 3,000 people give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. That fire would soon spread and change the entire earth. Isaiah chapter 64 again. Look at verse number 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not seen, not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. Listen, I believe God wants to act for the one who waits for him. I believe God wants to do the same thing at Faith Assembly of God that he did on that day of Pentecost. I believe he wants to stir his church again and bring out a fresh fire and a fresh anointing and that that we will see, like he prophesied, we will see things done unseen or unheard of before. It will be a brand new thing in 2012. How many want to believe for that with me? The question is, will you receive, will you be in a place where you can receive the outpouring, the move of the spirit that God wants to do. Now, the question for us today is, I believe God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't pick and choose who he blesses and who he fills and who he does this. He's no respecter of persons. So the question remains then, how do I get myself in a position where I can receive all that God has for me this year? Let's take a look at it. I don't want to give you. I want to give you three things, and I want you to turn Hosea chapter twelve, chapter ten. Three things. In Isaiah sixty four, he says he will move for those who wait for him. How do we wait? Hosea ten and verse number twelve. So for yourselves, righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord. Everybody say that. It's time to seek the Lord. Till he comes, till he comes and reigns righteousness on you. Now you got to go back to understand this verse to Hosea. Hosea writes this passage during the final days of the northern kingdom of Israel, and they are about to be taken into captivity. They had gone through a span of six kings in 25 years. And so there had been a lot of turnover, king after king. Four of those kings had been assassinated and were followed by the one who assassinated them. So if you wanted to be king, just kill the king who was on his throne, and you could be the next king. And that's kind of the way the northern kingdom was going at this time. In fact, Hosea 4 and verse 2 says, bloodshed follows bloodshed. And because of Israel's rebellion, because of their idolatry, because of their disobedience, Assyria is moving in, and they are surrounding Israel, and they are about to destroy them and take them into captivity and wipe out that nation. But in the midst of the coming armies, God raises up a prophet, a man by the name of Hosea. And we have his book today. Now, Hosea's story is remarkable. God tells Hosea, Hosea, I want you to go out and take a wife. And Hosea goes, hallelujah. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. He said, God, this is awesome. That was the good news. Now the bad news. Go down to the red light district. and You're going to find her there. She's been used up over and over and over again. I want you to go marry her and make her your wife. And so Hosea in his obedience goes down and he marries a prostitute. And and God is gonna use Hosea as an object lesson for the nation of Israel. And so in obedience, he does what God asked him to do. And yet the Bible says, even after Hosea marries this lady, even after he takes her to be his wife, and he, the Bible says he loves her as God would love the nation of Israel, she begins to step out on him again. In other words, you could take Gomer out of the red light district, you could not take the red light district out of her. You could not take her lust and her promiscuity and all that out of her. It was much like God delivering Israel out of Egypt, and yet they kept looking back, and they wanted to go back into Egypt's land. And even though they could be delivered from their land, they were always looking backwards. And it's a picture of what Israel had been doing. Uh, God says, Israel, I have loved you. I made you a nation. I birthed you. I cared for you. I gave you my commandments. I gave you my law. I gave you my presence. I led you into the promised land. I, I gave you all that. But Israel could not stop stepping out on God. They kept turning to the idols of the nations all around them. And yet God still loved his covenant people. Isn't that incredible that God still loves us? We blow it again and again and again. And God says, I still love you. And he longed to take them back. And he describes, he says, first of all, you have got to break up the fallow ground. Israel's hearts had become hard. The ground of Israel had become very hard soil. Now, if you go to the New Testament, you find a parable about four kinds of soils. One of the soils is that hard soil. And he says, one of the reasons the soil gets hard is because the sun bakes the ground. Uh, When there is no refreshing rain, the ground, the soil of your heart will become hard. That's why we need God to move. That's why we need his rain to come down, uh, to keep our hearts soft. That's why we need to keep in continual contact with the presence of the Lord. And so their ground had become baked by the sun. Uh, or hard ground is also wayside ground. It's continually trampled on by the enemy. And the kings had come over, and they had trampled over Israel's ground, wicked kings trampling nations, uh, and Israel became hard ground uh, And then he describes one more soil. He calls it the rocky soil. And it's like he says the the seed goes down into the rocks and this this plant springs up very rapidly. But because there's rocks, the the roots go shallow and they spring up. But when the sun comes out, when the persecution comes, it destroys the plants. And so Hosea says we've got to break up the fallow ground. If we want God to move, God to send down his rain, God to visit us, God to fill us with his presence, God to do a, a new thing in our hearts and lives. We've got to break up the rocks and the fallow ground and the hard ground of our hearts. How do we do that? Repentance. Repentance. If we want God to move, we have first got to repent. There's got to be sorrow for our sin and our apathy and our lethargy uh, that that we've got to have God's forgiveness. There's got to be humility that says, you know what? I don't have it all together. I need God in my life uh, so that God can come in and change us. Uh, And if we don't break up the ground, what will happen is God will break it up for you. Turn to Hebrews 10 and verse number 10. Or Hebrews, Hosea. Hosea 10 and verse number 10. When it is my desire, I will chasten them. People shall be gathered against them when I bind them for their two transgressions. In other words, God would use Assyria to bring repentance for the nation of Israel. And God has a way that if we don't repent, the Bible says he disciplines every child whom he loves. and So he allows that chastening to come, that discipline to come, so that that we will once again cry out to God and say, God, I need you, and I can't make it without you. I need you in my life. The Bible says in Hebrews, though, that once he chastens us, he produces a peaceable fruit of righteousness. So the first thing that's gonna happen is if we're gonna see God move in our lives, He tell, Hosea says, break up the fallow ground. Break up that hard, shallow ground. And the only way that can be done, the only way the ground of our heart can be broken up is through repentance. The second thing he says is, is found in the very first phrase of verse 12. Sow for yourselves in righteousness. Sow in righteous. The word sow, it carries the idea of scatter. It's like scattering seed. It's like throwing it out and casting it out and and scattering the seed. I want to tell you something. The world is looking for a holy church. The world is looking for a holy church possessed by his Holy Spirit, living righteous lives. If we want to see a revival sweep across our land, uh, judgment must begin in the house of God. Uh, We've got to clean up our own act uh, before anybody else says, I want to be a part of that. There's got to be a difference in holiness. And so he says, so in righteousness, in right living. Hosea prophesied to a people who would come come to the synagogue and worship God on the Sabbath, but the rest of the week they would worship their idols. A little quiet out there. They brought their sacrifices. They never stopped bringing sacrifices. Through the whole period of their rebellion, the priests were always offering up the sacrifices. They never, ever stopped, and yet they worshiped all the idols all around them. And God is looking for a holy church that doesn't look good just on Sunday, but every day of the week. For how else are we gonna impact our world? Holiness is that outward manifestation of what should always be going on inside of our heart. There ought to be a difference. Our speech should be different than the rest of the world. Our actions should be different than the rest of the world. We don't go to the same places the rest of the world goes to. Holiness. There's a word we use called sanctified. You don't hear it as much today as we used to hear when I was growing up, but sanctified, it carries an idea of being set apart from the world and being set apart unto service for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when when they would sanctify the priest, and then when they sanctify the the elements in the tabernacle to set that apart for God's use, they always took some oil, anointing oil, and they would pour it over the head of the priest. They would pour it on the items inside the tabernacle because they were setting that apart for God's service. Uh, Listen, when you receive the fullness, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, God is further setting you apart for his work and service. He says, you shall receive the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses, set apart, sanctified. There ought to be a difference in our speech and our attitudes and our actions. But America is more like Hosea's description of Hosea 8. Look at Hosea 8. In Hosea 10, he says, sow in righteousness. But he describes another kind of sowing in Hosea 8 and verse 7. They sow to the wind. They reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no bud. It shall never produce meal. If it should produce aliens, would swallow it up. You see, America for generations has been sowing to every fleshly lust and every sinful desire. America has been continually sowing to the wind. And as a result, today in America, we are, we, we are reaping a whirlwind. We have more broken homes than ever before. There is more pornography than ever before. Uh, There is more immorality of every single kind uh, than ever before. There is more violence in our land than ever before. You see, if we keep sowing to every sensual appetite of our lives, uh, every desire that we have, uh, we will reap the whirlwind, uh, and America is reaping the whirlwind of destruction today in our land. And it's not just enough to try to go through the fields uh, and pull up the stalks, uh, pull up the weeds that come up, uh, but we need the Holy Spirit to come and burn up the entire field. Sometimes people, when they come to church, they say, don't talk about holiness. Don't talk about sanctification. We don't want to hear those words. We want to be made to feel good. And there are times we will, you'll come here and we'll preach on joy or peace and you'll feel a whole lot better. But the Bible has a whole lot to say about holiness. And and, and yet when you think about it, holiness was not intended to rob you of your fun in life. In fact, I believe the most joyful people on the face of the earth are God's holy, sanctified, set-apart people. Because the byproduct of obedience is always joy. Joy. So when I say this stuff, it's not try to to restrict your fun or cramp your style, but it's to set you free. Sow in righteousness. Sow in righteousness. And what that does is that that makes you free from bondage and the torment of sin and the weight of guilt. You sow in righteousness. And when we begin to sow in righteousness, we will begin to transform our world. Turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Glorify your father who is in heaven. How are we going to experience that reign of God's presence, God's glory? First of all, we've got to break up the fallow ground. We've got to repent for our apathy and for our lack of care, and our lack of seeking God. Number two, we've got to sow in righteousness, scatter that seed of holiness wherever we go. And then number three, he says in that same verse, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord, verse number 12. And he says, notice if you look at it very carefully, he says, for it is time to seek the Lord. When do we start seeking the Lord? Now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. For it is time right now to seek the Lord. You don't do 12 steps first for recovery. You seek the Lord now. And then he goes on to say, how long do we seek the Lord? For now it is time to seek the Lord till he comes. Till he comes. How long do we seek the Lord? Until he comes. At Faith Assembly of God, we need to sing until he comes. We need to pray until he comes. We need to preach until he comes. We need to praise until he comes. Till he comes. Listen, we, when we come together at church, people, listen to me. It is more than just gathering under the name of the Lord. Uh, but we come here every single week to encounter the divine presence of God. And if you're coming for any other reason, you're coming for the wrong reason. We want to experience God in the house. He says, until it rains on you, rains righteousness on you that verse again until he comes and reigns righteousness on you on you sydney on you don on you jeff on you bob on you and you and you and you seek the lord until he comes and reigns righteousness on you you and you and you Till he comes and reigns righteousness. You know, the, the Lord can point you out and rain on you, even though it may, may be bearing dryness all around you. If you've repented and sought the Lord until he comes, you can be in the middle of the desert. The Lord can rain down his blessings and power on your life. Listen, if we will break up the fallow ground, if we will sow in righteousness, if we will seek the Lord until God will rain down his presence and blessings upon us. I believe that's a promise in God's word. We can hang on to this year. Turn to Hosea 14. Just turn the page. Hosea 14, verse number four. Here's the result of God's raining down blessing. Listen to this description. And I will heal their backsliding. I will move them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. Uh, His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. Uh, They shall be revived like grain and grow like the vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Wine of Lebanon. That's a description of the joy of the Lord, the wine of Lebanon. Uh, I believe when God comes down, uh, there will be a spirit of joy that will sweep over the people of God uh, and they will praise him uh, and they will glorify God. Uh, Even in the dark time, uh, even in the storm, uh, even when situations aren't going the greatest around them, uh, they will still be able to praise the Lord with joy. Isaiah 64 and 5, you meet him who rejoices and does righteous. The joy of the Lord is going to be a great source of strength. Joy of the Lord is your strength. And then the second thing that will happen when the Spirit of God comes down is it will awaken his bride. There will be a sense of longing for the returning of the Lord. Go back to Isaiah. Go to Isaiah 65 this time, one, one chapter. Later, Isaiah 65, look at verse number eight. After Isaiah cries out, oh God, that you would rend the heavens, And Isaiah 64 and one. He goes down into Isaiah 65 and he paints a picture for Israel of what is still to come. Look at what will happen. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster and one says, do not destroy it for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servants' sake that I may not destroy them. I will bring forth the descendants from Jacob and from Judah, an heir of my mountains. My elect shall inherit it. My servants shall dwell there. Sharon shall be a fold of flocks in the valley of Achor, a place for the herds to lie down for my people who sought me. He's describing that picture, that new age still to come. Jump down to verse number 17. For behold, I created a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things not to be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as rejoicing. Yes, you know, uh, Revelation chapter 21 and 22 picks up on that language. Uh, and I saw the new heavens uh, and the new earth uh, coming down as a bride, uh, adorned for her groom. Uh, Isaiah prophesies that day is still to come. Uh, and her people, a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem, my joy and my people, the voice of weeping. Remember in Revelation, God will wipe all tears from their eyes. Uh, The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Uh, Listen, there will be an anticipation uh, that will arise in our heart because we have been seeking the Lord now and God comes down now. We will long that much more to see him in his return. Revelation 22 and 17, and the spirit of the bride say, come, let him who hears come, let him who thirst come, and whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Listen, when we have those divine encounters with God and we experience his presence in our lives and the blessings of joy that God comes to bring, he will also awaken something in the bridegroom that says, I can't wait for my wedding day. I can't wait to see my Lord. There'll be a longing for his return. Now, I know some people want to point to the last days. And then want to say, you know what? Wait a minute, preacher. The Bible says in the last days, evil men will grow more wicked. The Bible says in the last days, there will be a great falling away. The love of many will grow cold. Faith of many will be shipwrecked, false Preachers and prophets will come and deceive many. People will love pleasure more than lovers of God. And many churches will grow lukewarm. But I want to tell you, for those who seek the Lord until none of these things can hinder the work of the Holy Spirit of God. So on the one track, when well, men's hearts will grow worse and worse, uh, for those who will repent, uh, for those who will sow in righteousness, for those who will seek the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit can come and do his work. and God will move in a mighty way. Nothing will put out the fire or stop that rain from falling down that God wants to send. And as God begins to move at faith assembly of God, what you'll hear in 2012 will be sounds of praise, sounds of rejoicing. We will see a great harvest of souls uh, that come and give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, believers will be baptized again, just like they were in the upper room. Uh, there will be the gifts of the Spirit will be manifest in the body of Christ right here. Uh, there will be all kinds of emotions that will break out. Uh, there will be Some will be weeping and crying as the Spirit of God moves upon them. Uh, Others will be dancing and jumping up and down and clapping and rejoicing. Uh, But when God comes in, uh, a new thing will be done. Now, here's what's going to happen when God begins to move at faith assembly. All these things will be taking place. And you know what? There's going to be a few in here. I can figure out how to open this thing. Oh, wait, let me unstrap it. Okay, here we go. What'll happen is is, God will be sending the rain and the rain will be coming down and some of you are going to get uncomfortable and some of you don't want to get wet and some of you don't want to get ridiculous or radical and you're going to think they're all crazy at faith assembly of God and the gifts of the Spirit will be a manifestation and what's happening is you're going to run for an umbrella and everybody around you is going to be touched and blessed but you'll have your umbrella there. And the rain won't touch you. And you know what those who get umbrellas do? They criticize all those who are out in the rainstorm. And they'll criticize those and they'll point to those and they'll say they're nuts and they'll say they're crazy at that church. They'll say they're loony. And then they try to get other people to come and join them underneath their umbrella. They find faults. Listen, 2012's coming. I want to challenge you, church. Put up your umbrellas. Get rid of it. And if you'll say with me, if you'll say with me, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, God move. We want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. But we must seek the Lord. It's not going to come because you showed up this morning. It's going to come because you've sought the Lord. We have got to seek the Lord until, until. And I'll not stop seeking, and I'll not start crying out, and I'll not stop praying until you come. In Revelation 22 and verse 20, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Now, I want to take one more thought here. We know this is an end time passage, even so, Lord Jesus, come, and come quickly. But I believe we seek the Lord until he comes right now. There is a future fulfillment, but there can also be a present fulfillment when God comes down in his glory and rains down righteousness on us. And there's a parable in Matthew 25, uh, and he says, behold, the bridegroom is coming. And then he says, go out and meet him. I want to challenge you. Listen, 2012, get ready. The bridegroom's coming. God's going to come down and visit us. We're going to see revival. God's going to move, but it won't happen because I'm saying it now. It's going to happen because we sought the Lord. We sought the Lord. Seek the Lord until. Some of you got to break up some fallow ground. You're lukewarm. Your hearts are hard. You, haven't had a, you just, just haven't had experience of God's presence in a long time. And you're going through the motions and you're dry and you know it. And you need God, you've got to first break up that fallow ground and repent and say, God, I've been more concerned about my, my sports and my activities and my family and my this and my that and everything else has gotten the way. And those rocks have come in, and they've crowded out the roots. And you're dry. The ground's hard. And you've got to repent and say, God, I've got to seek your face. You know who's been praying and who hasn't been and who's been reading their word and who hasn't been. And you're going you're gonna to be stirred in your heart and say, God, forgive me. But this is a brand new year. It's a brand new day. Today, I'm going to start reading my word. Today, I'm going to start praying. Today, I'm going to start seeking your face. Others have got to begin to learn how to sow in righteousness. You've kind of lived a, a life of duplicity. You're one way in church and you're another way outside in the world. And you know who you are. And your language betrays you. And you're just like Peter around that fire. And when it comes down, crunch time, you're cursed just like everybody else. And God is saying, sow in righteousness. Sow in righteousness, you're going to the wrong places, you're saying the wrong things, you got the bad attitudes and God says it's time to sow in righteousness. You cover over those secret sins. And as long as you are doing that, you will never experience the presence and power of God until you repent and let it go, change your way of living. And then I think for every single one of us in the house, it's only going to happen as we begin to seek the Lord. God, I want to seek your face. I want to know you. I want to hear from heaven. I want you. I hunger for you more than anything else in my life. And when we have that kind of attitude, that kind of desperate hunger for God, as, it, as we begin to pray that way and seek God that way, we will see God do incredible things, a new thing like we've never seen before right here at Faith Assembly of God. How many believe that with me? I, I want you to stand together right now. Adam Adam's coming out. They're going to, uh get ready to sing and and i was trying to i want to give you some instruction here's what i want to challenge this church to do i've already kind of given you a heads up a couple of weeks ago a week ago but i'm going to remind you again today starting tonight starting tomorrow whenever i want us to i'm calling this church to a fast i want to start the year out by every single person in the body seeking the lord one of the things that fasting does, when you deny yourself those bodily appetites, most common fasting we think of as food, but, uh, but fasting can include a lot of different things. But when you deny yourself food, those bodily appetites of your life, and you take that time and zero in on the Lord, sometimes that growling stomach reminds you, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. And the more that stomach growls and the more hungry that stomach gets, let it be a reminder. Okay, seek the Lord. Let's pray. Let's seek God. We're going to fast for three days. Many of the fasts in the Word of God were three-day fasts. So it was a very common length of time for people to fast. When one city was about to be destroyed, the city of Nineveh, they they fasted and sought the Lord. Uh, Other times there were fasts that were going on. So I want you to fast for three days. Our ladies will be fasting What's going to happen is when you get to that ladies' retreat on Thursday morning, you women will be so fired up that when Rachel stands to deliver the word under the power of the Holy Spirit, God's going to do miracles in that house, and in that place, in that motel conference room. And there will be ladies filled with the Spirit and change and lives change. It's going to be dynamic. So we won't fast at Hilton Head. Well, you'll just feast in the presence of God. You'll go from fasting to feasting get down there so i want us to fast to seek the lord for the next three days then i want you to come next sunday morning with an expectancy that they're just just going to be live and and powerful sunday night next sunday night we're going to gather in this house we're going to have a time of extended prayer and praise and worship we'll be praying for believers to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you have not yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit, these next three days you fast and you pray and say, God, I want you to do for me what you did in that upper room for those 120 who were gathered there waiting on you. I want you to do the same thing for me. I want the fullness and the power of your Holy Spirit. You begin to fast and pray that way. We're going to see multitudes baptized on that Sunday night with the power of the Holy Ghost. Next Sunday morning, I'll be talking about crossing the Jordan River. How how do we move into the promised land? How do we move into that place of promise? Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.